Welcome to the Heart Kids podcast. Join us to hear stories of Australians affected by childhood heart conditions. My name is Rachel Knowles and I'm one of your hosts. I'm 24, I'm a journalist and I live with a congenital heart condition. To begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land in Warrung, otherwise known as Sydney. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and the land that you're listening in from today. We pay our respects to the elders, past, present and emerging, and pass that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Today we are speaking to Associate Professor Marana Rani-Allison. Marana is heading up research at Monash University that is changing what we know about genetic causes of congenital heart disease. Thank you for being here with us. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. I'm very excited to, uh, to pick your brain and learn about what you do. You are the head of transcriptomics and bioinformatics, and I know that I probably said that wrong. So please <laughs> tell tell me a little bit about what you do. What what does that mean? Yeah, it's um it's a muscle, but it's actually very simple in, in terms of what we do. So transcriptomics basically has to do with genes. So it's the science of understanding which genes are present in which organ at any time and any any moment during you know, our development or adulthood. So that's what transcriptomics is about. It's the study of our genes. And bioinformatics is the way we study it, which is bio using our biological knowledge and informatics, which is computing. So we basically, we are computing people and we use our computer skills to mine all the data that we know about our genes. Oh my god! I can barely op- like operate Microsoft Word, and you're doing <laughs> genetics and like computer. That's amazing. Yeah. So I guess tell me from what I know, your researchers have identified 35 new genes that are associated with CHDs. Um, and the really interesting thing that I want to ask you about is the fact that some of these genes are not heart specific. I guess tell me a little bit about that because obviously like coming into this from having no science background at all, I would think that genes that are related to CHD would be present in the cardiac system, but they're not. Tell me a little bit about that. So they are not only, so that's the trick. So over the years, you know, the the research that has been done into finding which genes are responsible for, for CHD it has been focused on identifying those genes that have a very specific function to the heart. So how do we do that? We look at which genes are present in the heart and only in the heart, because that means that that gene is very important. You know, it's logical. The thing is we have 20,000 genes and there is only about 100 genes that are, you know, very specific to the heart. So we thought that can't be the full story. And a large pool of genes that we've been ignoring are genes that are not only present in the heart, but are present in other tissues. And the assumption is that, well, if the gene is in the heart and also in the kidney and also in the brain, maybe it's not that important in the heart. And our research was like, no, let's not ignore these genes because we know we still need to find new causes for CHD, new genetic causes. So we thought that would be really a great pool to explore. And obviously, yeah, we were, we were right. We found new genes there that are, you know, linked with CHD. This is really, I love, so when, when my parents, when I was diagnosed, my parents were yeah. explained that it's a genetic thing, but yeah. it was never able to identify what exactly it was. So this is absolutely crazy that <laughs> you're able to identify this kind of stuff. I guess in terms of what this kind of means for how we understand CHDs, what, what scope does that kind of widen for us? 
Yeah, I think it's just expanding that field, you know. It's been, the field has been so restricted by this, you know, this um, limitation on what should be the characteristic of the genes we're looking at. And so now we are proving that actually it doesn't really matter whether it's only in the heart because, um, you know, even they, though they are expressed um, somewhere else, they actually have a very important function in the heart. So th- what we've proven is that these genes actually are specifically recruited in the heart at some point, and that's how it causes heart disease. But in a different time, they can also be specifically recruited to the brain or to the liver. So they have multiple functions, basically. Gosh. <laughs> that's, and the crazy thing is that you've been able to figure this out without working on humans as well. Is that, is that correct? So actually, we're working on human data. So data we're using is human and mammalian data. So this is data sets that are publicly available. And that's a great thing about, you know, international research. There's so much data generated. And now that we're able to sequence the genomes of lots of babies, lots of families with CHD, there is just a vast amount of gold there just waiting to be mined. And so we used our skill to do that. So it was very much finding a needle in the haystack, what we did to find these genes. But we use our computing knowledge to kind of mine for this data and then make these predictions. Cool. And I have heard through the grapevine that, that vinegar flies are somehow related as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, How do they come into this? So to make a prediction, we're using human and mammalian data sets. But then it's still, one can still argue that it's a prediction. So we needed to prove that these genes that we've predicted do cause heart defects. So the particularity of our studies, because it's a bioinformatics project, which means large scale, we, we predicted a lot of genes. We needed a rapid way to test these genes. And in, in, in a, a model that is alive, which is in this case, the, the vinegar fly. So flies and human, you would say, you know, hearts, right? But flies do have hearts, actually. A very simple form of the heart. So as you know, we have four chambers. The flies just have one chamber, but it beats, it pumps bloods. So it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's an organ that has exactly the same function. And, you know, if a gene is important in human, if it helps to build the heart and helps to pump blood, it should have the same function between flies and human. And indeed using the flies and what we did in the flies is we removed these, these genes from the flies just in the heart so it doesn't affect other tissues. And we saw that the flies actually had defects. So it was really great to be able to prove, you know, in a model that actually the predictions were correct. That's insane. And this is this is obviously a, a large scale kind of research. That's correct. And I imagine how many how many people are kind of looking at this this research or taking part? Um, I mean, it's a, a, a large community, you know, m- many people. But if we're talking about my team, you know, we had. Um, team uh, of my postdoc, Dr. Hugh Neem, who led this, and student helping him and other team members as well, but he's the one who drove this study. And then I collaborated with uh, Dr. Travis Johnson, who he's the vinegar fly expert. So we joined forces to do all this computing analysis and then using the, the model to validate our predictions. I bet that when you were studying to get as knowledgeable as you are, you never expected to partner up with a vinegar fly expert. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that's what I love about science, you know, like 
it just um, it, it, my field in particular, you know, being able to apply computer science to biology just opened up so many strange combination, but that's that's where we get the best result because we could be more innovative and creative into the research we're doing. I guess when we talk about, I suppose, the stats of CHD, we know that, and please correct me if I'm wrong when I say this, but around 80% um, of cases of CHD don't have a known cause and about 20% can be traced back to genetics. Does your research, I suppose, contribute to the fact that we're able to understand causes more we're able to have that genetic trace and have that understanding of where these these conditions kind of come from that's that, that's absolutely the end goal when you mention your experience you know that's that's because on those diagnosis panel there is barely a hundred genes that are known that have a, a direct you know relation with chd and our goal is just to increase that number so that the 80 percent of the cases that we don't know of we we can give a diagnostic so that's that's really the end goal and that's the number we want to decrease. I think, you know, to, at this day and age, you know, you have a disease and in 80% of the cases, as you say, you still don't know why. It, it doesn't make sense, right? So, and the data is there and that's what we're trying to do to make sure that we decrease that number and we can give um, not more diagnostic to families. Yeah, I guess in terms of, I suppose, how the data can be like, used at a, at a, a personable level, not only, I suppose, are we able to identify the genetic stuff, what other ways can we really use use all this knowledge? So this knowledge, you know, it's we predicted and we have validated some of the genes, but ultimately we really need evidence in human data sets to show a direct link this is between these genes that we've predicted and validated to CHD. So what we're doing right now, and that's why, you know, I also held uh, my lab is at the Murdoch Children Research Institute, where we have lots of sequencing data from families with CHD there. What we wanted to do is really apply our pipeline to, to families that didn't have a diagnosis and try to screen in these families whether some of the genes that we found actually had mutation in them. Um, and this was not was missed before because we didn't know these genes were involved. So that would be what we want to do next, and you know the the, the future application of what we do. Cool. I can't get my head around it. I, I'm really interested as well. So you've done a lot of work in the cardiac space, but did you originally train and specialize in the cardiac space? Um, I, I trained only when I joined the Victor Chen Cardiac Research Institute in 2010. That's why I focused on the heart. But my training was really about bioinformatics, so using computer to understand biology. And it can be applied to a different range of, of problems and diseases and organs. But the heart is really, for me, very fascinating. So I've been having a strong focus on the heart since. I think it's so interesting when, um, you know, you've dedicated so much of your life to studying and you've chosen, like, what is it about the heart or was it about what you do that makes you do it? Um, so from, you know, from a computing slash engineering background, for me, the, 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 the heart is like the ultimate, you know, machine, right? Like it's 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 a beautiful organ. It it it's it, its mechanics are just fascinating. Pumps blood. You have electricity through it. You have uh, you know vessels. You have immune cells. You have just a mix of many different things. But it, and it just works. You know, it just all you know fitting together and it works. And from an engineering perspective, I, I just find that fascinating. How does it all fit in together and work beautifully? 
You have also a, a massive extensive background um, doing research studies and projects around the world. Um, and obviously you, you've been with Victor Chang, which yep. is incredible. They do amazing yep. work alongside Absolutely. Murdoch Children's. Yep. Yeah, and, and the Murdoch Children's Research Institutes. What else? What else have you kind of <laughs> added to your already amazing CV? <laughs> Thank you. I just... Uh, I guess before coming to Australia, that was 2010, I did my PhD in Germany um, in, the, in one of the best institutes for molecular biology that was called the European Molecular Biology uh, Laboratory. And uh, before that, I, um, I studied one year in Japan. Um, where I did my, my first job as a computer programmer. <laughs> and that's, that's where I get the research bug because um, my first job was in, in a lab and I was fascinated by the data that people were creating instead of creating an infrastructure to actually analyze that data. So, yeah, and, and before Japan, uh, I studied in France because I'm French. <laughs> and before that, I grew up in the French Caribbean, a beautiful island called Martinique and before that I was born in Madagascar which is I know it's it's amazing it's in many ways it's a country that reminds me of Australia you know the the fauna is a bit different we don't have koalas and kangaroos but um, the flora you know we have red soil gum trees it's it's very very similar to here so yeah uh, of, but I guess they're in Australia. Yeah, I guess it would uh, it would quell the homesickness a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's so familiar, and of course, a different place when you look at the animals. It's very strange, but yeah, very interesting feeling. <laughs> you are amazing. Like oh, thank you. that's you are absolutely wonderful. In terms of, I suppose, you know, just being having all this this knowledge and having been studied in all these places and, and being a woman in STEM, what's it like for you? I'm just so interested <laughs> as to like, I suppose when it does get hard and, you know, what's the thing that kind of gets you through? Yeah, it's always been, I know it sounds so cliche, but, you know, that that drive to know the why, that it, it's, it's a bug that's been with me since, you know, ever. Like, why is this? Why is that? And that's what science is about, that 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 really drive to understand how things works and and then of course it's great you know um to see how you know the knowledge we apply we we discover can be applied to actually you know um improve disease uh, you know cure diseases or improve health so that's that's a bonus of course but the drive that makes it really worthwhile because you're right, there are challenges. Um, it's just that passion for understanding why. I love that. I think <laughs> this is such a, it's been so lovely to chat with you. Just like, okay. yeah, the concept of, of what you do and in terms of, you know, like what it could mean even in, in when I have babies, what that looks like for them. Yeah. And, yeah, incredible. Like you, you are an absolute wonder. Thank and you thank so you. much. No, is there anything else you'd like to add or you'd like to say? No, it was really great. I mean, it was really great to have a chat and, you know, and enjoy chatting about research. And <laughs> as scientists, you know, we don't do it much. So I really, 
I really appreciate the opportunity. No, no, that's okay. I think that's the thing, right? You just like the, the quiet workers that literally change the world. Um, so thank you. You're too kind. Very honoured to be able to pick your brain, and thank you for um, explaining everything to me. No worries at all. Thank you so much. You take care. This podcast deals with some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or somebody that you love, it's important to reach out for help. The Heart Kids Helpline provides support, advice and guidance for people impacted by childhood heart disease. You can call the helpline on 1800 432 785. To access more information about childhood heart disease as well as support from Heart Kids, visit the website heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect your health or your family's health.